Hey listeners, the episode you're about to hear is one that we recorded before our first episode aired. This podcast is a passion project for both of us, and we're learning a lot as we go, mostly learning from our own mistakes. Unfortunately, with this episode, we didn't have that opportunity because we hadn't yet heard our mistakes, so please excuse the imperfect audio quality, awkward pauses, excessive ums, and background acknowledgements. Editing can only correct so much, but we really appreciate you taking the time to listen and grow with us, and we'll be doing our best to improve in future episodes. Hello, and welcome to Lion and Mouse Commentary. We are your hosts. I'm Holland. I'm Tori. And we are two best friends, as different as a lion and a mouse. Today, we are reviewing the Legend of Zelda game Twilight Princess, and we'll be ranking it on an objective scale of 0 to 10, with only two points allotted for personal taste. Feel free to listen and agree, disagree, or just learn about something new. Just be sure to tread lightly. There are spoilers ahead. And let's cut to the intro. So for our new listeners, we're going to be breaking down the scoring system by category. Um, out of possible 10 points, we'll break down the categories as we go, but the full breakdown is also available on our socials and at our website, lionandmousepodcast.com. So let's get started. All right. Legend of Zelda, Twilight Princess. This is, I am a personal fan of this. This is a game that I have personally played and Tori has watched me play. Um, Tori streams on twitch.tv slash V-Buggy. Shameless, Shameless plug. plug. <laughs> so you can watch our playthrough of the game, actually, um, on her YouTube channel. Has all her archives. Just shameless plug there. So this game was released November 19th, 2006 on the Nintendo Wii. And it was released on December 11th, 2006 on the Nintendo GameCube. Um, there's an HD remaster of this game, which was released March 4th, 2016 for the Nintendo Wii U. I cannot pronounce any of these names. I really apologize. It was directed by... E.G. Aonuma. There you go. And produced by... Shigeru Miyamoto. Yeah, the famous. Um, So it is the 13th game released in the Legend of Zelda series. It's the second best-selling Zelda game, second only to Breath of the Wild as of March 2017. It sold 9.56 million copies. So... And that was in 2017, so who knows how much it's sold now. Probably with, I would assume since then, there's been quite a few more. Yeah. Um, so, I wrote this little synopsis, uh, so I hope it's a decent summary. I did not pull this from the Wikipedia page. Um, so, Link is our hero living in a small village in Hyrule whose home and the entire world is in danger of being engulfed by the Twilight Realm. When Link enters the Twilight, he turns into a wolf and has to fight various monsters, complete dungeons, gather tears of light, and other items to restore the world and its inhabitants to their previous forms. He's joined on his adventures by a mysterious imp named Midna, who is from the Twilight Realm and wants to help Link stop Zant, who is the villain of this saga. Um, Zant is perpetuating the spread of Twilight and its accompanying dangers to subdue and rule Hyrule. So that's kind of a general synopsis. If you don't want any spoilers, stop listening now. 
go to our website, find the link so you can get your own copy of the game, and then come back and listen once you've experienced it. If you don't care about spoilers, we're going to be reviewing the games. Um, Tori is going to kick us off with our first category. So the first category for a total of up to two points is for character, story, and world. So this includes anything as far as pacing, um, believability, plot holes, um, even characters, uh, character design, um, anything in that regard. So um, all of the world building kind of sits right in here. So for this, out of two points, I put, I'm giving it a 1.5 points. Okay. Um, so as far as uh, character designs go, this is my favorite iteration of Zelda in all of the series, um, at least of the games that I have decent exposure to. Um, I'm not as big of a Zelda fan as Holland is, and that's okay. Um, it's just kind of one of those games that I find a lot more enjoyable to watch than play. I, I have a tendency to get very stressed out um, for any sort of like action uh, like based games. Um, but as far as uh, designs go, I, I think this game has some of the best in the series. Like I said, my favorite character design for Zelda. Um, I also think Midna is probably the coolest sidekick of any of the games. Um, just her whole like design personality uh, use to Link um, is kind of, uh, I think, probably the best that I've seen so far in my experience with Zelda. And by sidekick, you mean that like helper character, right? Yeah, like that kind of travel companion yeah. with yeah. Link. Um, now, as far as Zant goes... I forgot his name until I started prepping for this because that's how forgettable he is. Oh, boo. <laughs> I genuinely think of, like, like you think of Zelda baddies and you think, like, Ganon or Ganondorf. You know, you don't think Zant. <laughs> like, I guess maybe some people do, but, like, I guess for me, Zant is kind of one of the more forgettable big baddies he's also very weird but i guess that's true for a lot of zelda villains um his whole design is very strange it's like weird lizard helmet i you know i don't i don't really i don't know i'm not a huge i'm not a zant fan i think there are better zelda villains um i think the story is pretty straightforward um i wouldn't say it's all the way to stereotypical um it's just simple, and but I think in its simplicity, it's effective. Um, I think one of the things about video games is, like, I enjoy video games that are story-based. Um, I prefer my games to be story-based, actually. But when you're talking about a video game, you're not putting all of your eggs into the story basket. There's a lot of elements that goes into making a, a video game enjoyable. And while story may hold a lot of weight for me... It doesn't hold as much weight as, obviously, like a movie or a book would. Um, so I don't think it's a bad thing that I don't find the story complicated or complex. Um, I, I don't think it's boring It's in its simplicity. I just think, like, it has a, you know, a very clear, like, middle, or I'm sorry, beginning, middle, point of no return, resolution... Um, and there's not a lot of deviation from that, and I, I think that's okay. Um, so, uh, however, if we want to talk about critiques, 
my point five that I removed from this category uh -huh. is because of dang Colin. He's the worst character. Stupid crybaby wimpy weenie who I cannot stand. And every time I go back to watch a clip of this game or whatever, I just remember my rage for Colin. <laughs> He's the worst. And I cannot stand him. And I'm sorry if any of you out there are big Colin fans, but I cannot. I Oh, he annoys me so much. I think he does nothing for the story. He's just like a plot device, really. I ugh, He's... Ugh, and his haircut. <laughs> Sorry. Am I being too mean to Colin? No. Okay. I think Colin deserves all meanness that he gets. Okay. I can't stand him either, so. Um, I do think being Wolf Link is one of the coolest things that the series has done. Um, it's very, uh, I don't know. There's just something kind of, like, refreshing about it. Um, in a lot of games, you know, you have Epona, and Epona's in this game, too, uh, but I think it's kind of neat to, like, get four legs of your own and kind of navigate in that way and how that sort of ties in with the whole story. It's not like an arbitrary choice, I don't think, um, which is nice. Um, I have also one little note about, uh, like, a side questy thing, and I think it's so ridiculous. Um, what is this sumo wrestling? <laughs> What is that whole scene? I, I it's like you get you get to this guy and he's like you got to wrestle me out of the circle and then it's like he's a goron. Yeah, but no, he's not. He's a dude. That's your that's the that's the mayor of the village. Yeah, yeah, but like I don't understand I, I guess I'm not understanding like I don't know. The whole scene seems very awkward to me. Well, yes, yeah, cuz you're going to do the goron, so he's got to teach you how to do it so yeah. you can beat the gorons. I guess I even with the Gorons, I feel like it's so odd and, like, <laughs> strange. And you have, like, little tiny Link shirtless wrestling these massive creature things and men. And it's like, I, I don't know. I have a weird... I feel like it's just an odd choice for, like, a tutorial slash side task to complete your quest. I... Of all of the things that they could have chosen, I would have rather had Link, like, carry large boulders through a maze, timed, and whatever. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a fan of sumo wrestling, and it it's uncomfortable to watch. So you just, you think it's cringy? Yeah, it's a little cringy. Gotcha. I think, I think it's a little cringy. Um, so I have two very big... Those are so Colin and sumo wrestling are like my two big critiques, yeah, and uh, that's why it's 1.5 points out of two. But I think everything else is very effective, it's very concise. Um, I really like Zelda, I really like Midna eh, about Zant, he's just forgettable. It's not that I dislike him, I just think he's very forgettable. Um, and then of course, Wolf Link, it's nice. Yeah. What about you? I also gave it 1.5 out of 2. Um, so I th one of the things that I think is a very common critique of this game is that the intro of the game is so long. 
The mm. thing, a lot of people complain about the pacing of this game because you start in Ordon Village and it takes you forever to get through the first dungeon. Like, to the first dungeon, and then getting through the first dungeon just takes absolutely forever. And I understand that as an argument. However, I think it is so necessary. I think this as a Zelda game is so distinct from other Zelda games because the premise of this game is that Link is just this normal, ordinary village member, and he's not not really like he's not the chosen one he's not the best knight in zelda's army he's not this like already he's a champion of whatever he's not a hero like the whole point is that he's not a hero and so he's steps up to the plate because his world is threatened so it's like the twilight encroaching the world and taking over hyrule is like that's affects link personally so I think that's a very unique aspect of this game that really isn't explored in other Zelda games. A lot of times Link is like, oh, you're the chosen one. It's your birthday here. Wear this hero's tunic because, you know, so I, I think, think there's an, some exceptions to that, like Wind Waker, where there is some personal investment. Well, I think there's always personal investment, but it's it's never, well, I wouldn't say never, but a lot of the way that Zelda games have kind of developed over time or a lot of the kind of... Uh, plot um, setup is always like Link is captain. It links a guard, and he's the you know he's already he's already a warrior when he starts the game. And when you start this game, Link is a goat herder. Like he's a nobody, and he he has his own like job. He goes to work every day herding goats. Like I mean, he's I I I cannot stand the little kids in this game. I think they're all obnoxious except Mallow, and only because he's like a boss because he. <laughs> owns his own business <laughs> as, like, a three-year-old. But <laughs> kids are so annoying. But I do think there is some necessity because it establishes that Link is a part of his village. Like, these kids look up to him. Colin wants to be brave like him. I hate Colin. But I, I can't ag um, agree to the fact that it's kind of... It establishes Link as this character that he, you know has a younger generation that wants to follow in his footsteps and you know you don't really have any of that link's just this kind of island to himself as a warrior he's already a warrior when the game starts with the exception of a few games but um i think that the threat is affecting his world like link goes into this world and he sees villagers in the twilight that have turned into ghosts and he sees how this threat is affecting ordinary people. It's not this threat affecting this far-off land that he has to go fight this far-off villain. It's the threat is affecting his own land and his own hometown. And he's having to, you know, fight against something that's invaded his territory, not something that's just kind of this far-off island or this far-off dungeon that he has to go, you know, take care of because the goddess chose him. Like, it's it's... It's kind of a more intimate feel for a Zelda game. Um, I think that that is a really unique aspect to this game. I think there's a lot of... Um, I think it's really relatable as a player because you're like, you know, if something was hurting my hometown, I would want to, you know, stand up for it. Not because I'm like this strong warrior that my job is to fight evil, but because it's my home and I want to protect my home. So I know that people really 
find the intro of this game really, really long, but I think it establishes that general premise of the game. Um, Midna, I agree. I think Midna is one of the best characters. She's one of my favorite characters. I think Wolf Link as a character is just really, really um, exceptional as a character. It's so unique having giving Link this other form that has different, you know, you uses and dynamics and the way that Wolf Link can interact with Midna is different than the way Human Link can interact with Midna. I think that's really good story building and world building. Um, I think that it's a little um, similar to, you know, Midna being this kind of mystery character and you don't know, like, is she good or is she a villain? I don't really know. Is she helping me with ulterior motives? I think that's a little derivative of Sheik as a character and Ocarina of Time. That's so I would, I would admit to that if, you know, people find that as a negative, but I don't think that that's worth deducting any kind of points. Um, I like that Zelda has a smaller role in this game. She's not really the princess that Link has to save or help. You know, that she, um, you know, she's just as trapped and helpless, but it's not, Link's not doing anything to help her. He's helping the world. Mm -hmm. So I, I like that Zelda has a more minor role. I, I can see how people can find that a negative because, you know, the three members of the Triforce, you know, Link, Ganon, and Zelda should be the three principal characters of our story every time. But I like that this is different from that. Um... I can kind of see with Zant um, being kind of this forgettable villain, but I think he's kind of the catalyst of Twilight. Like, I, I, I would kind of argue that twi the Twilight is the threat, not Zant himself. And, like, so Zant is causing the spread of Twilight. But I think maybe that contributes to his forgetfulness. is because, yeah, he may be the catalyst, but it's like... Like you said, he's not the the primary threat. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's okay. Yeah, um, sure. But one thing I do think is really, um, I like that Zant is the primary villain versus, at least for the majority of the game, Zant is the primary villain, and you don't even really hear about Ganon or even see Ganon as a villain. Um, and I like that Zant is the primary villain because the concept of the game is that Ganon was, like, chained, enslaved, and sealed into the Twilight Realm. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the few times where it's like, most of the Zelda games, it's like, oh, well, we've cut, we stopped Ganon, let's just seal him in this, you know, <laughs> mystical you know, force field or underground or whatever, and then, oh gosh, he got too strong, he broke out, like, every time. It's like, do you guys not have a better method to, like, seal <laughs> Ganon away? Like, come on, you can't come up with anything better? But in this game, it's so unique, because, like, we sealed Ganon away, we banished him to this other realm, and now that has a consequence. Like, he's in this other realm, and he's corrupted the inhabitants of that realm, and the inhabitants of that realm are now a threat to us because we put Ganon there. Like, no other Zelda game is there a consequence of what you did to Ganon to get him out of your world has now ruined someone else's world. Mm -hmm. Like, and now that other world being ruined is affecting our world. And so I think that that's so different for a Zelda game because it's like, you're in your need to try and do good by getting rid of Ganon, 
you've affected a whole other world that you didn't even care about. And now that whole other realm is now taking over ours because Ganon's corrupted Zant and now Zant's taking over our world. So I just think that that's really distinct. And that's why, that's why Zant is so forgettable because he's being like controlled and manipulated by Ganon and he wants Twilight to take over, you know, Hyrule, like, you know, the world of light. He wants Twilight to just take over it. And it's like, you know, I think that that's, you, that would never have happened if they hadn't banished Ganon, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, Ganon wouldn't have, you know, granted he probably would have destroyed Hyrule and, you know, whoops, that would have sucked, but, <laughs> you know? So, so I think I, I really like that aspect of, of the game. Um, I think the character of Link, Midna, I guess maybe Zelda, but definitely Link and Midna, they're, they definitely carry this whole game. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think the other characters are relatively forgettable um they're not like super deep but i think that each character fits in the world where they're at um but i do think all those kids from oron village are really annoying yeah and they're like link shall us out of like chop with the sword and And again colin's like whiny little baby i hate colin so much yeah so for that for those kids i and and even um ilea that's how you say her name. Ilya, Ilya, yeah. I think she is, like, the most useless character. She's very bland. Yeah. She's just so bland. Yeah. It's like, you you tried to give Link a love interest that wasn't Zelda. Zelda. Yeah. And you couldn't make her seem like a real person. Yeah. Like, this is, like, everybody... It's, like, the only connection that the game gives them at all is like they both really like Epona. Yeah, what's up with that? You're like, like oh, you okay. don't even have like a reason of like a realistic character and then she's like so boring. She is. She doesn't do anything useful. A lot of the kids are boring though. Yeah. So for that I I did deduct half a point for that. So I think So mm. oh you so your score is also 1.5. Yes. I forgot. Yep. Yep. Okay, so moving on to mechanics. So for video games, I think mechanics are really important. Um, this is just your experience actually playing the game. So mm-hmm. anything that has to do with difficulty, controls, uh, user interface, just like playability, um, characters and world uh, and story aside, just the game mechanics itself. So I gave it a one out of two points. And one of my my first note actually kind of links to your pacing note and that it is there are tons of tutorials before you do anything. Mm. It's just tutorial after tutorial. And I am not opposed to tutorials. I actually kind of like tutorials, mm-hmm. but you are so drowned in tutorials in your in the beginning of the game. You've got writing, you've got fishing, you've got bird calling, you've got lock on, like just all of these tutorials happen just like rapid fire right Mm. after the other and you're like i'm not doing anything i'm not doing anything except for what this random npc is telling me to do and it kind of like it's like you have to like slog through it to like start to really enjoy like the world yeah because the whole there's just so many tutorials in ordon village kind of in the beginning um another note that i have is that i've noticed that whenever you're on four legs whether that's Wolf Link or Epona, 
turns become so clunky mechanically, like just like moving becomes. So like when you're on two legs as Link, like you want to cut a corner real quick. No big deal. You want to go into this little narrow area. No big deal. You try to do that as Wolf Link or on Epona's back, and all of a sudden you're like smashing into walls <laughs> everywhere. And you're like, I suddenly look drunk on four legs. And so I think that's a little bit of a critique um, is just how like cumbersome it becomes mm. when you're on four legs. They could have smoothed out, I think, some of the just even if they just smoothed turns like quick turns mm. um i think it would have helped in kind of the mechanics uh, it, I, my biggest example is again at the very beginning of the game when you're kind of being given a writing tutorial on epona and you have to go through those the little pathway to mm -hmm. the village and it's just like rock wall uh, and like i've seen so many people on like youtube and stuff just like crash 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 <laughs> and you're like dang so I think that's a little bit of a critique is that just it becomes a little clunky to yeah. navigate yeah. during those. Now, don't get me wrong. I think being Wolf Link is amazing and cool and like super cool to the story. But as far as mechanically, I think he's just a little clunky. Um, and some of these bosses are cumbersome. <laughs> uh, biggest example is probably Morpheal, the underwater boss. Mm -hmm. And just navigating underwater to get this boss completed takes so much time because it's just like it's swimming and you're trying to fight and you're trying to avoid and like all of the things that go into a boss fight that you've come to expect. And now it's like they've thrown the mechanic of now you have to do this all underwater. And it's just very long because it's so difficult and like you you have no choice but to be patient because you move so slow yeah. under the water so that's just like an example of like I think some of the mechanics are kind of clunky now I think part of this has to do because it was the first game to really try to play with motion controls mm -hmm. um, so that might be part of that and I I can't fault them too much for trying to use that because they had that technology at their disposal but I think it wasn't smooth enough to sort of like add to the enjoyment of the game mm -hmm. I think it could almost sometimes like add to more to the frustration it, and I'm sure with practice it got better but like who wants to sit there and like practice with their Wiimote or whatever I'm sure it's easier it may be easier with the GameCube version and even like the Wii U version. Um, but since it's, those are just like ports of the same game, you still kind of have some of that, like, uh, I guess just like navigational difficulty. Um, I don't think it's so much to the point where it really detracts. Um, but I think it's enough that it's noticeable. Um, I do appreciate the fact that the game is quite linear. I am afraid of open world games mm -hmm. because I like to complete games to the best of my ability. And I feel like the more open world it is, the more difficult it is to decide what to do. And I like for a game to tell me where to go and what to do. And I think this is a game that's quite linear in that way. So I appreciate it for that. Um, 
and I think it helps drive the story a bit without kind of getting lost. Um, oh, another note, five pieces of heart to finish a container. Mm. Oh, yeah. it hurts, especially when you're so used to other Zelda games only needing four. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, I gotta do all this work for extra heart piece to yeah. finish a container. It sometimes feels like a chore. Yeah. Um, now granted, sure there are more available throughout the game, but like if you're not doing side quests or like really searching each map um, thoroughly, they're missed. And so it just kind of feels like you're working harder for the same thing that you get for a little less work in other games. Yeah. Um, so that's why I could only give it one out of two. I feel like a lot of my notes were critiques, but I couldn't, give it zero points because I do think that what they tried to, they really were trying to do something new and like inventive. Um, so I want to give them credit for doing that. Um, especially with the aspect of Wolf Link being so important for part of the, for so much of the game. Um, it's just, I, it's almost like we got a bunch of really cool things. I wish they had just taken like some digital sandpaper to some of those aspects and like refined them just a little bit. Um, but you also have to keep in mind that like this game is now 17 years old. Yeah. Like, you know, it's 15 years old. That's, that's pretty like significant if you think about that. And sure we got the, the HD remaster, uh, but like the core elements of the game are still pretty much the same. Um, so in 2006, this was probably pretty dang impressive. Yeah. So, uh, I have to give the credit there. Yeah. So for mechanics, for me, I uh, actually would have to disagree with you a lot. Okay. All right. I Here think, we go. I think Zelda game. I think motion controls. I think Zelda games were like born to have motion controls. I think that the and this game is one of the few that does it really well. Um, I think pulling out, I pulled out the Wii version, to get ready for this podcast, I pulled out my <laughs> Wii version of the game, I pulled out my Wii remote and my nunchuck, and I played through the, like, the intro of the game with the motion controls. And yeah, there's some stuff that's a little, like, quirky, but compared to the HD remake of the game and the GameCube version of the game, the motion controls are more seamless with this game than I would argue Skyward Sword and even some of Breath of the Wild. Oh. So, I mean, the fact that you can you can um, pull your slingshot and you point at the screen where you want to aim with your slingshot and you release a trigger to release the... Um, you know, you release the trigger to release the bow, or you release the trigger of the the thing. It feels more like you're holding an actual weapon versus the motion controls that you use with the um, the the um, the Nintendo Switch controller. You're having to hold. You're having to. And listeners can't see, but you have to angle that controller up so you're holding it with your your thumbs oriented toward and your index fingers kind of oriented up and you're trying to like angle up and it's like, that doesn't feel like I'm aiming a bow and it doesn't feel like I'm aiming, you know, the way I should, but you hold the Wii remote and you're literally pointing your trigger finger towards the, the screen. It feels so much more natural. It feels more immersive. And I think that this game did that so well because it was designed for the Wii 
and it was designed with the Wii controls in mind. And I think they really did a good job of capitalizing on that versus designing a game for a handheld controller and then adding motion controls to it. And I feel like, um, well, not necessarily the original Skyward Sword, but even in the the remastering of Skyward Sword for the Switch, and even in some of Breath of the Wild, using the motion controls feel a little more awkward. Your hand positions don't feel as immersive in the game. And I think most people play Breath of the Wild without motion controls because it doesn't feel natural. And I think that this game does a really good job of using the motion controls for aiming. Another thing I really like with the combat of this game is the variety of combat that you learn in this game. So the different attacks that you learn, you know, Link learns from the golden wolf that turns into the the dead um, knight, you know, that you learn the different attacks. <laughs> the dead guy. Yeah, the dead guy. I can't I don't remember what he's, he's not, I don't think he's called anything in I the game. I think he has a name, but I don't know what it is. Yeah, I think like the, the strategy guides name him, but I don't think he ever tells you his name or anything in the game. Yeah, I'm not sure. But, like, the combat moves you learn from him give you more dynamic um, when you're playing the game. There's more buttons for you to click. There's more motions of the remotes that you do on the, the Wii um, the Wii versions. And then there's more buttons you click in the Wii U and the um, the GameCube versions. You just click different buttons. And so the combat's really varied. Whereas in Breath of the Wild, you literally just mash the same button. You mash the Y button to swing your sword. And there's it's not as engaging in like doing shield bashes or you know different parries and things like that don't feel as well integrated into the control system i think this is going to be one of those things where uh you do have more insight on this because like when we play zelda together you always play and always watch and I prefer it that way because playing Zelda games sort of stresses me out. But these are going to be things that you do have more insight on than me because I just don't play Zelda in the capacity that you do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that overall, and like I played this game on the Wii when it came out. So I do have some, I do have some nostalgia tinted glasses in that as well. And I thought that I was going to hate the motion controls, but I picked it up like three weeks ago. And I was like, this is actually just as good as I remember. So for me, I really enjoyed it. Um, and I think that it's just, it fits that game so well in ways that you think that like, oh, motion controls just get better. Skyward Sword is notorious for being horrible with the motion controls. And Breath of the Wild really isn't anything stellar with their motion controls either. So I think that overall, this is the best iteration of a Zelda game that utilizes and capitalizes on motion controls in the Wii version. Um, I also think there's a lot of credit to be given for um, a, a game being on three separate consoles. That's true. Um, I think that um, I think there's there you have to give some credit for that. You don't have to, um, but I I would. Um, I do agree with the critique that Wolf Link's combat gets really really stale. Um, he has like two moves. And it does get really stale and it's it gets redundant um, when you're doing, you know, if you're doing caves or, or any extended periods of time playing as Wolf Link and doing combat with various, you know, minor enemies, it does get really stale and boring. So I would agree with that as a critique. I think a lot of people have that as a, as a complaint. Um, 
I do, however, I do think he does have um, a lot of use with Midna, um, you know, being able to attack multiple um, enemies in one kind of blow, um, and then have, being able to, to jump into different, um, you know, when, when Midna kind of moves ahead of you and you, you leap to where she's at to, to traverse different terrain that Link can't really do on his own until you get better uh, weapons. Um, I think the, um, I think a lot of people overall think that the Tears of Light, finding, collecting all those Tears of Light just drags, that that aspect of yeah. the game gets really kind of draggy and boring, um, even culminating. How many total times do you have to do that? Do you remember? I think it's three, because you do it for each of the first three dungeons. Right. Um, and... The, you know, it culminates into fighting the Twilight Parasite as Wolf Link. Yeah. And I, I agree that there's, you know, it's it's like these mini dungeons, scavenger hunts you have to do, and like a mini boss battle. But that's the only, like, dungeon slash boss you have as Wolf Link. So I think, I, I think the creators were trying to give Wolf Link, like, his own quote-unquote dungeon and quote-unquote boss with those segments, but it does get kind of tiresome. It's literally the exact same thing three times. Um, and I do think they could do a better job of trying to integrate Wolf Link into the overworld combat. Um, you know, having... I think it would be cool if Link was able to you know, when you're fighting enemies, Link would be able to kind of move between human Link and wolf Link. But I think they do, he has, his combat options as, as human Link are so, are done so well that I think that, you know, having, adding wolf Link to the mix would really just muddle things. Mm -hmm. Um, so for that reason, I, I do admit there are some shortcomings with the mechanics. Um, I think overall the side quests, um, are, I find them enjoyable, but things like the fishing, I don't really find enjoyable. Yeah. I mean, there are some people that really enjoy that stuff, and like, you know, just literally going and catching every fish in the game to, like, mass collect, you know, mass complete that aspect of it. Mm -hmm. um, so, but th there is a lot that I don't think is necessarily my cup of tea, um, but I do think that there is a good... Um, integration of that with like various mini games like you you fly with the um the twilight Kagarok up lake hylia and then you can play that sort of as a mini game later when you know so i think that having you complete something and then you can go back and do it again as a sort of mini game but it's completely optional i kind of like that aspect of it yeah i never like when a game forces you to do something the same way multiple times like i'm like <sighs> It feels like a chore after, like, time two. Yeah. So, and that's yeah. probably why some people do critique about the Tears of Light. Yeah. It's because it's like, oh, I already did this. Like, why am I doing it again? Right. Right. So. And there's not anything that's really... It's not like you've learned a new, like, skill or attack to complete it the second time. You know, kind of like how with, with dungeons, like, in Legend of Zelda games, you... Once you complete the dungeon and you obtain a weapon from that dungeon, you're forced to use it in the next one. So there's a there's new things, new aspects in this second dungeon that are more dynamic because you've obtained things in the game, and the the tears of light don't do that at all. So um, 
Yeah. Yeah. So I think overall, I like the mechanics of this game. Um, I think that they're done really well. What but, score did you give? Did uh, you already... so 1.5. Okay. Two. I can't remember if you said that before. Yeah. Okay. Um, for aesthetics. So this is kind of similar to our movie ranking. If you listen to our Super 8 episode, where aesthetics deals with anything that has to do with visuals, sound, um, character customization, anything in that regard. So I gave this one two out of two. Um, because I think it is one of the best, coolest looking Zelda worlds that we've gotten. Um, but I do have some notes about them. Um, a lot of the cutscenes are very cinematic and I think that that's a positive. Um, they're very movie-like. They experiment a lot with like angles, different frames. Um, and I think that it, it adds to the storytelling um, but I put it in aesthetics because it is, you don't, ex sometimes I think you don't expect things quite so cinematic from like a Nintendo game. Um, I think that's something that doesn't immediately come to mind, but I think in this game specifically, it does use a lot of cinematic takes. Um, and I really like that. I, I look forward to the cutscenes. Some people, are, some people are like, oh, a game cutscene, I'll run to the bathroom or whatever. But those are like my favorite parts, um, especially when done really well. And I think this game does cutscenes really well and they are very movie-like. Um, there's a, they use a lighting effect. I don't know if it's necessarily an effect, but there's like a lighting effect that's used often in this game and it does help for the overall mood they also do kind of like a foggy look often in this game and it does add to the overall mood but there's little variation in this and I think it can at times become a little bit boring because it's like okay we've got kind of the foggy dreamy look again and again, and again, and again. And so it does, it's a little repetitive. Um, it's hard. I'm really torn on it because I want some more variation in like color palette and um, like lighting and things like that. And I know the whole game sort of deals with like dark against light, but this, this misty effect on so many of the cutscenes, sort of like kills it. I almost would have rather them had very stark shadows against the light instead of this weird, like vague, almost dreamy like sequence so often. Um, so that's just maybe a personal preference, but I think I would have just preferred a little bit more variation, I guess, in that. Um, but the soundtrack of this game is probably one of the best as far as like the Zelda series goes. Um, I think it's one of those soundtracks, and I think Zelda music is great at this in general, where it's like one of those soundtracks where it's just like you can put it on no matter what you're doing, and it just kind of like fills the space in like a very pleasing way. And I think good video game music, no matter what the game is, should do this. Video game music is designed to fill the sound without being distracting. And it should still be pleasant or add to whatever you're doing. So like fight music is obviously going to be different than your starting hometown music. Um, but both of those tracks should serve 
and further the storytelling of that given moment. Whether or not you're doing a side quest or just letting your game sit while you go pop some popcorn or whatever, like the it should all add to um, without being distracting. And I think this soundtrack just super excels at that. Um, it another note that I've noticed, uh, kind of while rewatching bits of this game to prepare is that I do think that, and again, I'm not as well versed in Zelda, but I do understand a bit of the Zelda timeline. And I think that this game fits aesthetically where it falls in the timeline, which is right after Majora's Mask. And it kind of continues the visual presentation, I don't know what else to call it, of like, this world is just continuing to get dreary. Mm. And that's something that I think stems from Majora's Mask really well and starts there. And you just kind of see the progression happening in that world. And I think it's very effective in that way. Um, so you kind of see, and it, not to say that the whole game looks dreary, because it doesn't. There are some lighter moments, but overall you see the world just continuing to kind of like devolve in that way. Well, I, th I think that's the point. I think, right. you know, I think the whole point is that the the kind of thematic mood of the game is supposed to be dark. Yeah. Like, not just, um, uh, not just, uh, like, visually, but you're supposed, it's supposed to feel dark. It's supposed mm -hmm. to feel like this, like, corruption and evil is spreading throughout the world. So I, I, I would agree that I think that is the goal is that it's supposed to feel dreary and depressing and ominous. Which so. I think would be effective even if just the game is in its own context. But broadening that context into the whole of the Zelda timeline, mm -hmm. it it flows. It's a nice seamless flow from Majora's Mask, I think. Um, it, it's not like you've got that branch of the timeline there and it, it feels too different from Majora's Mask. Yeah. Like, it's obviously distinct enough to be its own thing, but it's still... it's There's a correlation there that I think is very satisfying. So, yeah, those are my, my aesthetic notes. Yeah, so I... Um, so you gave it two out of two? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I also gave it uh, two out of two. Um, especially considering at the time of release, when this game was released, like, I think a lot of critiques of Nintendo in, you know, the early 2000s, early to mid 2000s, um, was that their games looked like children's games. And I think this is the first game that looked like a game that wanted to be taken seriously the way that, um, Sony and Xbox games are taken seriously by serious, quote unquote, serious gamers. And like, you and I are both really big Nintendo, like, fans, but, you know, arguably, the Sony games and um, Xbox games, Microsoft games, tend to have those high, high quality graphics, those photorealistic characters, you know, the, the really HD realism was not something Nintendo was known for. And I think that this game kind of put them on the map of like, we're able to be taken seriously. Um, I think that it really has that, um, that kind of dark fantasy look to it. 
which is something I think everybody wanted in a Zelda game. I would argue just real quick that like there are other Nintendo franchises that do this and do it well, but they're not as notable as the Zelda series is. For example, Metroid. I think Metroid's That's a, true. Metroid yeah. is a is a well-known, well-loved Nintendo franchise that did accomplish this. But if you look at the grand scheme of like what are the the popular like franchises, yeah. you can say Legend of Zelda and everybody has heard of this. That's true. And so, I mean, I think that the Legend of Zelda arguably is second only to Mario. Like, I would agree. You know, it, it's just very well known and it's really part of Nintendo's brand as of Nintendo. I think of the the top three Nintendo franchises I would say are probably Mario, Legend of Zelda, and Pokemon. Yeah, yeah. So, and Mario and Pokemon arcs, you know... Very cartoony, very animated looking. Yeah. And now we have like a gritty looking Zelda game on the on the scene. Like, what is this? It, mm-hmm. I, so I think that, especially of the time it was released, like you said, you kind of already touched on it. That visual style of light versus dark. I think they did a really good job of integrating that into the game throughout. Um, I think the enemy designs are so good in this. That's game. true. They look. They're annoying, but they do look good. Yes, they are annoying. I think it's one of the few times, you know, especially coming from Wind Waker to Twilight Princess, you had these really cartoony looking villain characters, um, enemy characters, and that now you have like the the keys look like, you know, bats. Mm-hmm. The you know the the stallhounds look like the skeleton of a dog. You know, so I think that you have really realistic looking enemies that really give that, that it adds realism to the overall aesthetic. Um, I think that the one thing I made a note of was like, when you go into people's homes, like in Ordon Village, there's so many details. Like there, if you go into, I cannot remember her name, but it's the lady that um, has the cat and she owns the shop in Ordon Village. Yeah. If you look around her house, she has more photos on her wall of her cat than she does of her child. And it's just like... <laughs> I've never noticed that. It's just like those small attention to detail uh-huh. that are just I just really think are appealing. I love that... I think this would probably be more of the characters in the world, but the fact that when you're Wolf Link, you can talk to the other animals. I love the way that Epona looks when you're riding Epona. The, the realistic horse movement. It doesn't feel like you're you're watching a cartoon horse run. You feel like you're watching a horse run and then a human riding the horse moving appropriately. Um, I think the overall um, the, the unique villains to this game, the, the Twilight Messengers are really creepy. I remember playing it playing the game initially thinking they were like the scariest looking villains because they just were kind of faceless and had like these you know walked on all fours and just like I mean they're like creepy looking then you really feel like it really gives this tone that these creatures are from another world Mm -hmm. instead of whereas the majority of Zelda villains they're from our world they're from Hyrule and so they they integrate with the world that they exist in very well and feel like they're part of that world whereas these Twilight Messengers are just like gosh where did these things come from they're just like 
they, they're eerie and they... Almost upsetting. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's almost like if you're, you know, under the age of 12, it's like nightmare fuel for yeah. you, you know? But I think that the, those are done really well. So I think that, you know, even in today, they... I think it's similar to, like, Jurassic Park. I think the, the aesthetics of the game hold up today, even though the game is now, you know well over, you know, 10 years old. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now we're moving on to personal taste and preference, where we have a total of two points to a lot. Um, so this is all purely our own opinion, um, which I gave two out of two points, which n I feel like I've been <laughs> critiquing a lot on this game, but I really do love it. And um, But here's a hot take. This game is currently my favorite, but we're playing through Skyward Sword right now, and Skyward Sword made Tyre beat it. Um, Why? Something about just like... Is it the birds? It might be the birds or just like the aesthetic of Skyward Sword is just very pleasing to me, but I don't want to spend too much time talking about Skyward Sword. I just want to say that like Twilight Princess is very unique, and I like it for that. Um... And that's why it's been my favorite for so long. But at the end of the day, and this is true of all Zeldas, this is something that I enjoy watching more than playing. Mm. And I think that's going to be true for maybe every Zelda game. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because, like, Let's Plays and streams have become so prevalent and popular in our culture that, like, you can share games with people that will never pick them up and that can people can fall in love with that. That happened to me with Xenoblade Chronicles. I've never touched that game in my life, but I absolutely adore that game because I watched a wonderful playthrough of it and was like, this game is incredible, but I'm never going to play it myself. So that's kind of how I feel about the Zelda series too, but particularly Twilight Princess because it is my favorite currently. It's like one of those things where it's like, I know I'm never going to touch this game or at least never finish this game, even if I do pick it up. But like, I still really love it. And, um, I think personally that says something about the game. If I can love it as much as I do without ever having played and completed it myself. Um, I don't think that's a negative and I don't want to present it as such, but I do want to acknowledge the fact that most of my opinions on this game boil down to the fact that I'm a viewer of this game and not a participant of this game. Um, so I, even though I give it two out of two for personal taste and preference, I do want to kind of disclaimer that, um, that I think my, my ranking of this game is through the filter of a viewer and not a player. Yeah. And I think that, you know, as a kind of a caveat to this podcast overall, like the, the purpose of this podcast is because Tori and I both appreciate story. And so a video game is essentially a story that you get to engage with in order to progress mm -hmm. in the story. Um, you know, and, and Tori and I both love stories and we can appreciate them each in our own way. So the fact that, um, you know, we, we have our system of, of scoring and grading, but we don't constrict ourselves to, you know, Tori can't rank it unless she's played through the whole thing. I mean, she de she would definitely like it a whole lot less if she was required to play through the whole thing. 
because she just doesn't enjoy playing Zelda games. I picked this category because I, this is one of my favorite Zelda games, which kind of leads me into my personal taste and preference. I, of course, gave it a 2 out of 2. This is my favorite Zelda game. Um, I, well, I, I should say that with kind of a footnote that um, it's it's in my top three, and it I the other two in that category kind of fight. They all, all three compete for my top. But I think overall I would say this is my favorite game, my favorite Zelda game. Do you want um, to mention the other two in your three? No. They okay. can they can listen to future episodes for that. Okay. Um but I do really enjoy this game. I you know I already mentioned your know, riding opponent is I absolutely fell in love with that even as you know when this game first came out, that was one of the things. I would literally just pick up the game and just ride Epona around Hyrule because the world felt so big and you could just ride all over the place and you could shoot your bow with the motion controls and just point at the screen to aim and it was just, it was so enjoyable. It felt like you were living in that world. It was so immersive. Um, Midna is one of my favorite Zelda characters, period. I think she's so well developed. I think she's a, an interesting character. You know, and it's it's surprising that a character so interesting is a character that follows you around for the whole game. You know, she does have moments where, you know, she's not very helpful. You know, yeah. she seems kind of annoying, but, or won't, doesn't give you a very helpful hint. But the fact that she's integral to the plot and is a, that helper character that's typically so obnoxious and repetitive and you just, you know, Navi is so annoying, you just don't ever want to listen to her again, and Fi in Skyward Sword is kind of a dunce, you know, when you're in the moment, but Midnight, I feel like, never gets to that point, but then she's also, she, you know, she, you could argue, I wouldn't necessarily argue this, but you could argue she's the most important character in the game. Oh, I absolutely you know? think she is. So, and to have her be that well-developed and then you slowly try and figure out like, what are her motives? What is she really after? What is she looking for? Why does she want to help me? Why does she want me to help her? You know? And so it has this level of mystery, which I think fits the appeal of the game really well. Wolf Link also hands down, actually Wolf, Midna would be second. Wolf Link's my absolute favorite okay. Zelda character. Um, I love that he talks to animals when he's a wolf. I think that visually he just looks super cool. Like, he just, he looks like a boss, and he's really fun to play as when you don't, when you're not riding a pony, you can just run around Hyrule as Wolf Link, and, mm -hmm. you know, I just think that's done really well. Um, I think Zant and Zelda are very good characters, um, even though, you know, Zelda is a minor character. I think she's really interesting and visually she's really appealing too. I I do enjoy the side quests in this game as well. I love finding all the puzzles. I like that you bugs. Yeah, <laughs> catching <laughs> the bugs in this game is way easier than catching them in Skyward Sword. Sword. Um, you know, catching the bugs and getting rupees for that and just mm -hmm. I mean, it's all just really the small things in the game I think are just as enjoyable as the big things in the game. Um, I know with, like, in discussing these, this video game, we didn't really touch on a lot of specifics, like specific dungeons or specific weapons or specific enemies. Um, it's, it's a lot. We, we would probably have to talk for There's about so many. four yeah. hours. Um, but I do, I really enjoy the claw shot in this game. I like 
there really aren't a lot of dungeons that I don't like in this game, whereas a lot of dungeons I'm like, you know, if I have to, you know, a wa water dungeons in Zelda for me are just so hard, or, you know, for changing water levels and mm -hmm. stuff, and they don't make you do that in this game, which I really appreciate because I find that so annoying. Um, so definitely two out of two for me as well. Um, and then moving into the next category, this is, I think, the one category where we allot for two points for creativity. It's for video of one, games, yeah. Because they're so interactive. Yeah, so out of two possible points, I'm actually going to change my scoring right now. Mm. So I originally had only put one point out of two, but I think I'm going to put 1.5 out of two. Oh, really? Because you convinced me. Really? Mm. Um, so obviously Wolf Link is brand new for the series. And I think it's a very creative choice. I think that it's something that we haven't really seen before from the series. Um, I think it was, as far as like the Zelda series goes, I think Wolf Link was kind of a groundbreaking thing. This whole like shape-shifting thing that your character, your protagonist does, like what? Like this is new, like brand new. So I really appreciate it for that. My other note was about uh, the motion controls and how I felt like the incorporation of those was ad admirable for the attempt, but my original note was that they were too clunky. But listening to you talk about them, I think I have to retract some of that because, again, it kind of goes back to this... All of my notes are from a viewer's perspective and not a player's perspective. So, sure, I can say the motion controls are clunky, but I've never actually spent a lot of time doing them myself and so hearing you talk about the kind of ingenuity about the bow or the slingshot um has kind of changed my mind so i'm going to retract that statement a little bit and oh, say okay. while they are still slightly clunky um they were more good than bad okay so yeah so it is gonna affect my score by half a point yeah all right that's cool um, I'm, I give it two out of two. Uh, I, I am a little more biased than Tori, um, I think, but I, I, I do think two out of two is, is validated. I think, um, the, like kind of I already harped on the Wii controls, you know, one of the few games that fully utilize the Wii motion controls. I mean, other games have kind of thrown them in as an afterthought, but this one really was built around those motion controls. Um, also the fact that the, the Wii version of the game, the map of the Wii version of the game is a mirrored version of the GameCube and the HD remake. So mm -hmm. if you have both games, I don't know who did when the game came out because it was expensive. Didn't they do that because Link is usually left-handed yes. and then, but they knew that the majority of players were going to be right-handed. So they changed it. They mirrored it for the Wii version to for yes. the motion control. Yes. I think that is pretty. That, I mean, pretty that's creative. just pretty pretty ingenious. Link has always been left-handed in every Zelda game, as far as I know. Don't quote me on that. Um, but yeah, so the entire map is mirrored, so you get a completely different experience. The walkthroughs are flipped; like everything's completely different based on which version of the game you're playing. I just think that's that's just really cool. Um, because I don't think it would really detract from the game a lot if they kept Link left-handed, even though your sword is, you know, or your Wii remote is used with your right if you're a right-handed player. But I think that just furthers the immersiveness of using those motion controls. Um, I think 
the like I said kind of before earlier, you know, towards the beginning, the fact that this is one of the few Zelda games where Ganon breaking free isn't that he's quote unquote just too powerful for anything to hold him. It's like he's his breaking free is a direct consequence of banishing him in the first place. Mm-hmm. So he's his ability to influence is his power. Versus raw strength being his power. I think that that's super creative for a Zelda game. Whereas most of the time that Triforce piece of power is just raw brute strength. And I think in this game they really do a difference in making... You know, no, Ganon is a powerful man who's able to influence and corrupt... You know, another leader of an entirely different realm slash race of people that's what makes him powerful mm-hmm. um and zelda's wisdom is normally like i will tell you the answers link i will shoot my arrows of light at the final boss battle but poorly I, but, <laughs> <laughs> right but i think it's so like i think this is kind of huge zelda's wisdom in this game is sacrificing herself so that midna can continue and defeat the evil at the end like it takes the wisest ruler ever to say, you know what? I'm going to have to give up everything I am and everything I have to give the world its best chance. Like, there's nothing more wise than that. Mm -hmm. And that's something that's more than just being intellectually smart. Right. Um, And then, you know, Link's courage, obviously, I think that, you know, it's, I think they, they show that Link's courage is an inspiration for his village and his people and, Unfortunately, they use Colin as kind of the catalyst to do that. And I don't like Colin, but I think they're showing that Link's courage is more than just him being willing to rush into battle, but it's his courage setting an example for other people. And I think that's just, there's a level of depth to that that's really unique to a Zelda game. Um, And then kind of my final hot take for this game, as far as creativity, why I think it's worth two out of two points is I, my hot take is this game paved the way for Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild is the most, the number one selling Legend of Zelda game, and it's, I don't think it would have existed without this game. You have Wind Waker pre-Twilight Princess, and you have Skyward Sword post-Twilight Princess. Both of them are very, um, they fit that Nintendo, you know, Mario and Pokemon aesthetic, and Breath of the Wild is this open world, gritty take on a Zelda game that I think wouldn't have existed if Twilight Princess didn't pave the way. That's my hot take. You know, you listeners can, you know, take it or leave take it. Take it or leave it. Disagree. That's totally fine. But I think that that Twilight Princess really paved the way for a, you know, a dark fantasy take on The Legend of Zelda, which I don't think, you know, it has more of that Lord of the Rings feel, you know, this this more real gritty dark world without being you know a horror take on zelda so um so that of my ranking legend zelda twilight princess total out of 10 possible points i gave it nine out of 10 points and with my quick change that puts me at eight out of 10 points all right all right so All right, so we are going to finish up with some lightning round questions. So I, since I picked this topic, I picked the lightning round questions, and I will ask them to Tori. So, favorite dungeon? 
hands down Snow Peak Ruins. Oh my gosh. The Yeti! <laughs> I love them! <laughs> and making soup. Yeah, the soup is fun. Yeah. Um, I think my favorite dungeon is probably... Uh, it's hard. I think I really enjoy all of them. I think if I have to pick one right now, uh, I, I think I might actually Arbiter's Ground. Like, I like being able to... Because you, you use the spinner in that that dungeon, and the um, I believe you use the claw shot pretty well in that, too. So I, I enjoy that game. Um, I think it's really... Or that dungeon, per se. Um, favorite weapon? I think the claw shot is pretty cool. I don't want to, like, copy you, but, like, I think the claw shot just in general is pretty cool. Although I also kind of like uh, the Gale Boomerang. Gale Boomerang is... That's is, pretty neat. It's a classic. So I think it would be between one of those two. Yeah. I think I would say the double claw shot because you get to basically be oh, Spider-Man. I forgot about the double. I mean, what's cooler than that? That's pretty cool. But I do think the Gale Boomerang is also a really good take on a classic, classic boomerang weapon. Uh, favorite soundtrack? It might be the, like, Castletown theme. That's a good one. I think that one's, like, pretty classic. It feels very grand. Yeah. Um, without being, like, busy. Yeah. Which I think is nice. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think I would say, like, the, the like, Castletown yeah. theme. Yeah. I, it's not necessarily one I would listen to repeatedly, but I really, really like the soundtrack for Hyrule at night I think okay. it's it's eerie it's like quiet enough because it's nighttime but it's eerie because it's it's like twilight you know that that theme of like the dark being bad for the world and the twilight is you know encroaching and oncoming I just think it's sound it's like this soft like singing in the background it's yeah like, it's kind of like mysterious where is that coming from but I don't know. I just think it's just super eerie and it's iconic enough that every time I hear it, I'm like, where have I heard this from? Oh, it's from Legend of Zelda. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Least favorite enemy, including bosses. I feel like mine is going to be silly, but I absolutely hate in all Zelda games, Keys. <laughs> I hate Keys so much. Yeah, you I, do. I just... I, they're terrible, and I hate them. So, Keese. It would still be Keese. Still be Keese. Yeah. Absolutely. My least favorite boss... I, you know, I think I would have to say Blizzetta, which is the Yeti's wife before she's... <laughs> before you, like, break the twilight that's cursing her. <laughs> and she's gigantic, and you have to use the ball and chain in oh that my dungeon. Gosh. I... One, I don't like using the ball and chain. I find it kind of cumbersome. Uh-huh. But then also, I don't like her because then you have to snowboard against her. And she's so obnoxious. And I'm so bad at that. Racing her on a little <laughs> snowboard. So for that, I would I have to pick her. Oh, man. So, okay. Favorite side character. <sighs> I don't know. Probably Mallow. Mallow? Yeah. I I don't know. <sighs> or, uh, yeah, I would say it's Mallow. 
Yeah. He's like the only one of the kids I like. Yeah. Which you mentioned that That's too. Good. Yeah. Um, I would hands down say the, the gold wolf that teaches you all your combat. Oh, yeah. He's, he's cool. my favorite. He's just like the coolest dude. He's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Next question. Where would you rather live? Castletown, Kakariko Village, Ordon Village, or Snow Peak? Castletown. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Everything right there. That's true. Everything everything you need right there. Yeah. I would say Snow Peak, but cold. That's true. I hate the cold. Yeah. I would probably say uh, Ordon Village. Okay. I think I would say Ordon Village. I don't like any of the people in Ordon Village. But Kakariko Village is kind of deserty mm-hmm. and like Death Mountains right there, and it's called Death Mountain. So, yeah. you know. It's a little sparse. Although, Kakariko Village has some pretty cool hot springs. That's cool. And Mellow Shop. Yeah, that's true too. But Barnes lives there and he kind of creeps me out. Fair. So. All right. Seven. Or next question. Would you rather marry Zant or the Bulbin King? <laughs> this is a silly question. It is a silly question. Um, uh, They're both pretty terrible. Not feeling any sparks with either. <laughs> that was the point when um, I wrote I, this question. I guess I would say Zant, because even though he's forgettable and kind of weird, he's not absolutely disgusting. <laughs> so I'll, I guess I'll pick Zant. I think I'd pick Zant, too. I mean, he's he's pure evil, though. I mean, the Bulbin King rides around on a cool boar thing, I guess. You could ride off into the sunset with him. <laughs> Romantic. Mm. All right, so last last lightning round question. Which job would you rather have? You carry boats back up the Zora River for Isis River Ride. So this is what the Zora does. Mm-hmm. Her little Zora accomplice. Two, maintain the Goron Hot Springs. Or three, take care of Falby's chickens. Hmm... I think I would choose to maintain the Goron Hot Springs. It's very spirited away. (laughs) (laughs) But also, I'm not a Zora, so carrying the boats back up the river would be the worst thing. You don't think you could swim all the way back up the river? No! No? Not not all day. Up river? You can't swim Not all day dragging a boat. Are you kidding me? No, I would, you, I would take care of the hot springs. Yeah, I think I would do that too. Mostly because I don't like Falby. <laughs> the chickens weird. have large talents. <laughs> the chickens have large talents. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. Gosh. Okay. Well, any final thoughts? No, I covered everything that I want to talk about. Yeah, I think we've covered everything. So... Alrighty, well, thank you guys for joining us on this episode. We look forward to having you back next time. You can follow us on our social medias. We have Twitter and Instagram at Lion and Mouse Podcast. You can also get to our website, read up on our reviews, also find some templates of our scoring systems if you want to try it for yourself. Our website is lionandmousepodcast.com. And you will find all of our rankings broken down. We also have on our website a suggestion box where you can tell us what you want us to review next. And until next time, enjoy 
your own art and media, and we will see you in the next episode. Bye-bye.